This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki with help from New Zealand On Air. To find more local content, go to www.accessradiotaranaki.com. Good morning, New Zealand. Welcome to another edition of Neville Rides the Boundaries, coming to you from Access Radio Taranaki. And I'm Neville Wallace, broadcasting from Hara, coming to you from Access Radio Taranaki, Coast Access Radio, Radio Hawks Bay and Arrow, Radio Masterton. On the show today, I have Groundswell co-founders Bryce McKenzie and Laurie Patterson, Philip Duncan from weatherwatch.co.nz and Jim Hopkins from the Deep South. So let's get the show underway as I talk with Laurie Patterson and Bryce McKenzie as they are preparing to drive their tractors from Gore to Auckland to draw the public's attention to the dire situation that farmers are facing farming nowadays. Well, the two guests tonight are Bryce Patterson, uh, Bryce McKenzie and Laurie Patterson from away down south. I'm not familiar with the territory, gentlemen, but you're the coordinators that started off Groundswell. I know you're going to do a bit of a pre-election drive up to Auckland, but before we get on to that, gentlemen, could we go through some of the reasons why you're doing it? Because as far as farming goes, the last six years have been bloody horrible, I think you could say. So what was the ones that kicked you off in the start, Bryce and Laurie? Uh, the National Policy Statement on Freshwater kicked us off, Neville, uh, when they came out with those stupid damn rules about pugging paddocks and, um, uh, oh, pugging was a big one, but then there was... Sowing days. Uh, what's that, Laurie? Sowing days. Sowing dates and uh, yeah. slope map. But it was really the pugging and sowing dates that got us uptight up and... That's where we started, was trying to get them pushed back. And we did too, Neville. It was great that we got them pushed back. Yeah, now, uh, when it comes to cropping regulations, I had a chat with Bernadette Hunt from down there, and she did a green job, but we don't hear much from Federated Farmers and her of late. What's sort of happening down there regarding that situation, Laurie? Uh, well, Bernadette's still... Uh She's still Vice President of South and Federated Farmers, and um, certainly South and Federated Farmers have been quite active and pushing back against this stuff as well. Um, you know, I don't know whether it's just because everyone's down in the South and we have long winters or what it is, but um, you know, just a lot of these things down here with the weather that we get, um, you know, we have long winters and um, and uh, hot summers, and um, you know and a lot of uh, pretty intensive farming. I think that's probably the thing. Whether it's sheep and beef or dairy farming or whether it's cropping farming, it's all pretty intensive. So, um, you know, people are ready to, uh, I think, probably just stand up against a bit of uh, bureaucratic stupidity, really. And were those regulations produced for all of New Zealand or just you folk down there? No, they were produced for all of New no. Zealand. The, the whole shebang lot, Neil. Um, it's just that it probably affected us more with our uh, 
um, clay-based soils, we don't get the water doesn't probably drain away quite as quick. And uh, if you get a rain overnight, there's no way you're going to be able to stop your paddocks getting pugged. It's just as simple as that. Uh, so, and it's the same with sowing dates. I mean, you might some places around New Zealand, you could probably get your tractors going, and I know they'll be going in Canterbury now, but. It's probably only just been the last couple of days that we'd have been able to get tractors on any ground at all. And, uh, yeah, it, it, you know, this first of having everything sown by the 1st of October is absolutely ludicrous. So, uh, yeah, I think the other thing is that, um, you know, in Southland, um, because we have a long winter, we have to have uh, fodder crops to winter stock on, so that actually does put pressure on you know, waterways and things like that, so you've obviously got to have good management, so um, that is actually um, a thing that's, well, not just unique to Southland, but it's critical in Southland, I think. Right, now you fellas, what was the uh, water scheme that you cleaned up a river down there voluntarily, didn't you? Yeah, that's right, the Pomahaka River Neville. Uh, I was a founding member of the Pomahaka Water Care Group and um, we got even now we've got over half of our uh, farmers that are on the river are part of the uh, Pomahaka Water Care Group. We do a lot of monitoring um, and we have a motto that you know a lot of people doing a little bit makes a difference and that's exactly what's happened and we have uh, our water quality is getting better all the time. Yeah, I don't know whether you heard Mike Hosking the other morning, but he gave some figures as to why we or what debt we are in. And as a farmer and having been a farmer, you always watch that overdraft. And unfortunately, it's costing us $6 billion to service that lemon debt, which is something that solved the hospital organisations, education. Got any thoughts on this one well, certainly you can't run a farm or any business without uh, watching out what happens and you've got to make sure that you can get income to cover um, what you're doing uh, because you can't go on borrowing forever. But in this government's, uh, well, the way they've operated, they just borrow, borrow, borrow. And it's perhaps not that so much either. It's the fact that you know, like farming was the only game in town during COVID and that, and I think uh, agriculture, you know, food production put about $60 billion into the into the uh, government coffers, if you like, and that money goes around about six times. So that's a huge amount that's into the economy, and, you know, government gets GST off every time it goes around, you know, the six times. And the thing is that, you know, where's all that money gone? It's just been wasted on a whole lot of, um, stupid things really and the really critical stuff that we need to get done um, hasn't been done at all. Now, what's your views, gentlemen, on Hiwaka Ekanoa? Is the wheels falling off that? What the heck's going on there? Well, the latest is that, of course, it's, uh, Hiwaka Ekanoa is now finished with because um, they, managed, they claim it was set up to get the split gas. And um, now they've got it, they have no reason for Iwaki Ikenoa anymore. It's all just moved on to the next phase, if you can believe what they're saying. 
So I think with the announcement that um, uh, Damien O'Connor made, that was moving on to the next step, which is the pricing and, of course, uh, the the measuring, um, how to measure it. Uh, so the stupid thing about that is, um, you know, <laughs> if it's based on warming, they're going to find out that there won't be anything we have to pay because uh, we won't be doing any warming. And that's the whole thing we need to come back to is, is agriculture actually uh, warming or is it not? And um, science would tell us that it's not. I'd agree with you, gentlemen, but we had to go to Tauranga over the weekend. Being a backseat driver, I could have a look around the landscape and I could not get over the amount of vegetation, native and planted, but you would see a lot more than I have. How much of New Zealand has been planted in trees and for what reason? Yeah, well, that's the thing, isn't it? Uh, really, we're the only country in the world that has 100% offset for carbon farming. And um, the only other country is Kazakhstan, and Kazakhstan's main uh, way of making money is it's a massive oil and gas country. Um, but we're planting New Zealand on trees, and when we do that, we're actually taking away the very thing that actually, um, you know, Burns money, which is uh, high productive farmland, or you know even lower productive farmland. Um, and I think about the North Island, often a lot of that steep country, and that it's running cows. And you know, you haven't got cows, you haven't got uh, young stock to sell. So yeah, I think it's just silly rules like that that you'd think we would be able to change, but they're still sitting there. Governments talked about changing them, but they've done nothing about it. So. Yeah. Where you're taking a drive on a tractor from down your way up to Auckland. Perhaps we should uh, tell the viewers, listeners, how you're doing that and when and where it's all happening. Well, I was starting off on the 22nd of uh, September at Invercargill. And, um, yeah, we're just going right through State Highway 1 to Auckland. Um, so it's... Um, yeah, it's going to be a really exciting trip, really. It's, uh, we arrive in Auckland on the 1st of October. That's uh, the day before special voting starts, and we're calling it Drive for Change. And uh, we must remember that we've got people coming down from the far north also to meet us in Auckland. So it'll be uh, that's where we're converging on, Neville. So what's your route if there's other farmers want to take part and show their strength and, well, give, give you for strength for your argument. The best thing to do, Neville, is go to uh, our website, uh, nz. It'll be all on there, and uh, we'll do live updates to let people know where, where we are, and we intend to have coordinators' phone numbers on the map so that people can contact them to, uh, if they want to join up and travel some time with us or go through the towns and cities. We'd love to have as much company as we can get going through built-up areas, Neil. Bryce is going to set off, Neil, and my main job is to stop them getting lost. That's really what I'm <laughs> going for um, because he's a wee bit prone to doing that. But we've had uh, tractors supplied to us by John Deere, uh, South and Farm Machinery and Gore, 
uh, down here, and then we're going to pick up uh, John Deere tractors from Brant in the North Island when we get to Wellington. So great support from them. Well, they're, they're sponsoring tractors for the South Island section and the North Island one. That's right. Yep. Yeah, we, we're not we're not taking them across the strait as uh, uh, we thought there might be too much risk that they might let us get across there um, for some reason. So uh, we thought we'd leave the tractors in Picton and they can come back to Gore and we'll pick up other tractors and take them on up to Auckland. Yeah, that's a good thought because I think that might be the middle of the school holidays, Bryce. Oh, right, I could be. Goodness. It could be the middle of the boat being broken down, Neville. <laughs> well, there's one permanently broken down, Laurie. So, how big a convoy do you reckon you're going to get? What's the interest so far? Has there been any report back from the meetings that we've had? Yeah, look, it, it seems to be generating a lot of interest, Neville, because it's got the, the beauty of um, not getting people to overcommit. So in other words, they can they can come with us for an hour, two hours, half a day, a whole day. They can come with us a whole way if they want. So um, we understand that this is a real busy time on the farming calendar and uh, we don't want to be a disruption to everyday farming. So the people can just decide for themselves what, how they want to support us. Now, you're not coming up uh, State Highway 3. You're following one all the way, or you're turning over to Wairapa and up more that way then through the middle yeah, of the island? Yeah, we're going over the Rumatakas from Wellington and then uh, through Marston and up as far as Tour, and then we're going to shoot over the hill into um, Palmerston North, Fielding, Bulls, etc., and then up. Uh, to Ooh. Where do you get your de- when you how often do you need to refuel those tractors? How, what's their miles per gallon? Uh, they'll probably be actually really economical. They're not pulling any implements. Uh, we'll just have to play it by ear and just fuel them whenever they get low. But um, yeah, we don't. We're not too worried about that, Neville. They'll be pretty economical. Sounds like a good thing, but uh, just beware of if you're going through Tauranga of those congestion charges they've got for the different parts to uh, <laughs> renovate their city up there. It's diabolical. Oh, yeah, we're not, we, yeah, we're not going over to Tauranga, though, uh, oh, at all. Yeah. Is there any other farming, uh, any fruit farmers, vegetable people taking part, do you know? I haven't seen any uh, sign of them on the meetings there, Bryce. But... Yeah, the, apparently uh, the horticulture guys south of Auckland, there'll be as many of them as can join us also. Uh, we're having a night, uh, a policy burning night, Neville, on uh, Bombay Hills, the night before we go into Auckland, and uh, we'll try and sort out some of the policies that are not fit for purpose and we all know there's plenty of them yeah. and um, we might just put them on the bonfire Will you have a physical fire there as well Bryce? Yeah, we will on Good. Good Getting close to the 5th of November <laughs> Yeah, practice night <laughs> yeah. Well gentlemen, have you got any other 
items of interest we'd like to throw out to the public while we're doing this? Or? I think really we're, um, you know, while we're a couple of farmers, we're pretty uh, focused on really what's happening in rural New Zealand at the moment. Yeah. And uh, it's pretty tough out there. I mean, farmers are going to, you know, with the dairy being down and also sheep meat being down, beef prep's not quite so bad. Um, farmers are going to have to put the checkbook away. Well, not that we've got a checkbook anymore, put the whatever it is away and um, and uh, not spend money or cut it back right to the bone. And, you know, so we're pretty concerned about rural communities and um, also the mental health of farmers and the people in rural communities. And I think, you know, I don't know that city people quite realise, but when you live in small rural communities, um, it's a personal thing when these things happen because, you know, the, we all uh, know the truck drivers, um, you know, they, we all go to the same pub, the kids all go to the same school. And, and so... Um, yeah, it's going to be a pretty tough uh, 18 months. So we, we hope that uh, people will get a bit of a buzz out of what we're doing. They certainly did after, um, you know, hell of a protest and also mother of all protests. Um, there are a lot of farmers that just said, gee, for one day at least I felt proud to be a farmer, which is kind of a terrible thing in New Zealand, I think, when the farmers have been and, and all their support people um you know, be it truck drivers or processors or whatever, keep the whole economy going. And I think farmers feel pretty, uh, or rural people feel pretty betrayed at the moment that really having done all that stuff through COVID, um, you know, we're now the villains of the piece every day. Recall a horror retailer saying, oh, this would be 40, 50 years back, he said, when it comes to selling toys, if it's a bad year for farming, I import plastic toys. But otherwise, if it's a good year, I get those solid Tonka toys that you can buy from Inglewood. So there you go. That's, you know, just how it affects the rest of the community. Well, been a delight to talk with you, gentlemen. Take care. Good luck. And may New Zealand be behind you on your trip. Now here's Philip Duncan with news that the sneezing season is dawning upon us as we are now getting more sunshine, the conifers are loaded with pollen and it's all in the air. Well, good morning, Philip Duncan. You raised the question, can you explain why the sneezing season is about to begin? Well, yeah, we really are in that, that time of year where the, uh, the pollen is being shaken off the trees and uh, and pine pollen, and there are a number of others uh, um, that are starting. Wattle, I think, is another one. Uh, they start to become a real issue at this time of the year. You get a warm, sort of windy day, and it's perfect for shaking the trees and rattling the, the pollen. And the next thing you know, you've got, you know, runny nose or a blocked nose or itchy eyes or a sore throat or a coughing or a sneeze, whatever, you know, however you're affected by allergies. We're in that season and it really doesn't stop until um, next year because it sort of ramps up more and more. But the good news is we're sort of all affected differently by the different types of pollen, so it doesn't necessarily get worse and worse for everyone. We're just affected by different types of pollen over the coming months ahead. And I'm wondering whether that's generally known, Philip. 
Yeah, well, I think a lot of people don't sort of realise that it's staggered so much and that you end up with, you know, pine pollen is a real thing in sort of late July and August in the depths of winter. And then you go into this time of year, September, and you start to get different types of pollen. And then usually once we're past the equinox and there's that sort of um, physical change with more sunlight than, than there is darkness, and you'll find that's when grasses start to get their seeds. And so you're going into November and December and January with the grass on the ground making, uh, giving us hay fever. So, yeah, it's, it's a complicated sort of journey for the next few months. All right. Now, can you explain the climate models relating to sea surface temperatures that they're rising? And what's the... Uh outlook for New Zealand like in this situation? Yeah, well, I mean, certainly the, the sea surface temperatures at the moment are above normal in a number of parts of New Zealand. Not everywhere. In fact, in the last couple of weeks, we've seen it go closer to normal than we've seen it all year. But with sea surface temperatures above average, um, and, and that's not just around New Zealand, but also parts of the Tasman and Australia and even in the tropics where... It should be warmer than average around South America for El Nino, which it certainly is. But on our side of the world, it should be cooler, and it's not totally cooler everywhere. And that's part of the reason El Nino hasn't been announced officially in our part of the world, although you can sort of feel it. You can sort of see it sort of in the weather pattern. But the warmer sea surface uh, temperatures means that when you've got a thunderstorm or a downpour or an area of low pressure and it's not moving very fast, that extra warmth in the sea can make those downpours a little more significant. And it's also helping keep temperatures above average in coastal areas. That little bit of warmth, you know, it seeps out at nighttime. And so we have noticed that this winter has been warmer than average in the coastal fringes of New Zealand. So hopefully spring will change it up a bit more because it's not really the best for it to stay warmer than average. We actually want it to be mixed up. But in some positives, it means that other fish are available for fishing, and I've heard stories of people in Wellington saying they're catching snapper all the time. Um, that's normally more of an Auckland and Upper North Island thing. So in some sense, there could be some positive sides you know, that, that we have as well as the negatives. So you wouldn't know about the future of power or any of those? Yeah, well, that's the problem, right? You know, it's it, one, one positive with the snapper could be then the negative for the power as it gets too warm. Uh, so you, yes. you don't really want, you know, it's good for swimming, and every now and then it's nice to have a good marine heat wave, but the one we've had lately has just been lingering on and on and on, and that's a problem. It's, just, it's a real problem when we have that in any sense of the weather or marine or climate. Anything that lingers too long is, is always a problem. Well, thank you for that update, Philip Duncan. Much appreciated. And remember, listeners, if you want to keep up with the weather, get Weather Watch or Rural Weather, and you'll find out to your satisfaction what the weather's going to be tomorrow. Thank you, Philip. Thanks very much. Appreciate it. Jim Hopkins joins us as we discuss various aspects of the forthcoming election. But above all, please get out and vote. Good evening, Jim Hopkins. And what did you make of our ABs on Saturday morning? What? What did I make of it? Goodness me. I've, I've, I've actually, um, I've actually had to buy two new TVs, Nev. I, I threw something at the first one when I was watching the game live, and I, and I trashed the second one watching the replay. I was heartbreaking. I mean, sorry. 
Seriously, this is the first ever AB defeat in pool play. Now, look, Ned, I need to sort of take you aside here <laughs> and pretend we're on a leaner at the bar, right? We're in sort of um, one of your wonderful uh, Taranaki pubs. And I, um, I, I mean, I just want to sort of consult you because I know for a fact that you're a rugger guru. You're an expert in these matters. So, Nev, what is going on? Tell me, please. We had such a promising start to the year. And now all of a sudden the wheels are falling off big time. Is it is it northern northern refs? Can we blame them? Well, or are northern teams just better? Which is it? Yeah, quickly, hurry on, please. Well, uh, uh, the person I live with, Shona, says, ah, it's a refereeing. They got it in for the southern uh, hemisphere rugby player. So there you go. I don't know, but uh, well, I did notice that the uh, poor old Argies got whistled off the park against the Poms. Yeah, the 20, what was it, 24 10 or something, and, uh, uh, watched the highlights of that game earlier, to, earlier, well, over the weekend. And, um, it did look as though the referee was quite determined to find fault with whatever they were doing. And it was interesting to note that the only try scored of the whole game was scored by the Argentinians. The Poms just did the old <laughs> Johnny Wilkinson thing and banged penalties and drop kicks over with monotonous regularity. Oh. Deeply depressing, Nev. Deeply depressing. Deeply depressing. Well, what did you make? Did you hear Damien O'Connor speaking with Jamie Mackay over the week about... I, I did indeed, and I also heard uh, Jane Smith, the, the, the doyen of North Otago, the wonderful, wonderful Jane Smith, a woman of such um, efficacy and brilliance as to be quite staggering and and, um, and overwhelming, intimidating by virtue of her sheer genius and and um, and astuteness, in my humble opinion. <laughs> well, I couldn't agree more with you, but uh, uh, our stock numbers decline. <laughs> Well, they are, but uh, uh, look, I mean, seriously, you know, for all the, oh, yes, no, we care about farming. Oh, yes, no, we would. What have they done to actually remove the 100% carbon credits for forestry? Nothing. What have they done to actually stop people turning productive land into um, carbon forests? Nothing. I mean, I'm sorry. There's a cabal in Wellington that does not like farming. And there's a cabal in Wellington that doesn't like dairy farming. And there's a cabal in Wellington that will cling to every possible every possible argument that allows them to criticize. Look, the UN has said this RCP 8.5, this is the sort of predictor, these are the formulas you use to predict the impacts of climate change. The, the IPCC has said RCP 8.5 shouldn't be used anymore. Hello, Nev, are you there? I'm, here. I'm taking it all in because all well, of they asked, well, they said that shouldn't be used anymore. They also said, they also said that the effects of methane have been seriously overestimated yeah. and they should be scaled back to seven times CO2, not whatever it was before. Neither thing has been done by the New Zealand Climate um, Change Commission or by the New Zealand government. You know, now why, what is going on? I mean, why are these people determined to ruin the most effective industry we have, the most the most productive industry we have, the industry that actually keeps New Zealand as a first world country? I mean, seriously, how it just frustrates me so much, Nev. How poor do we want to be? And these guys are just hell bent on making us poorer. 
Right. And it's wrong, 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 wrong. So what's the moral here, Jim? What do we urge the people to do? Follow well, I, I, urge, I urge the people to vote. Well, and I, just think past the crap and think past the trash and think past the sort of the dirty tricks, which have been um, uh, um, ample or evident um, on a number of occasions in this election, as in all the others. Um I could, if we've got a longer opportunity to talk next time round, we could go through a history of some of the dirty tricks that have been um, pulled over the years in elections. But, I mean, um, yeah, seriously, people, people um, the one thing you have to say uh, is that it is essential that people vote. And may I, may I say, in order to make up your mind, <laughs> Let me just ask you a question, Ev. Are you still watching TV news, or have you decided that they are biased, superficial, unreliable, and and don't actually contribute to your under, to your genuine understanding at one iota or very few iotas? I, are you still watching? You no, know, well, I do watch them because I watch for that sort of nonsense. But unfortunately, Jim, we will have to end it there. So thank you, my friend. Well, that's all I have time for today. Hope you enjoyed the show. I'll be back next week with more news from around New Zealand. Kakiti anō. This show was made at Access Radio Taranaki with help from New Zealand On Air. To find more local content, go to www.accessradiotaranaki.com.